All right, welcome back, guys, to our Electroluminescence podcast. I'm Rahul. This is Ethan. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Vion with us today, but we are going to be recording an episode on the Olympics, the upcoming FIFA 2022 World Cup, and sort of the controversies and scandals going on with um, infrastructure like this. So uh, we just want to let you all know that we're going to try to be recording once a month-ish. So we don't have like long periods of time where we don't upload a video or an episode. So stay tuned for that. And if you do have any suggestions for future videos or uh, podcast episodes, just write them in the comments. All right. So Ethan, want to take us off? Um. Sure. So, uh, you know, with any big sporting events, there's a lot of accommodating infrastructure that has to be considered before you can even think about hosting anything. This could be as small as like a local, you know, division two soccer game or as big as um, obviously the Olympics and the World Cup. So there's a lot of bidding and uh, that happens for um, for much larger events uh, such as the um, World Cup and the Olympics in terms of what nations are going to be able to host and what cities are going to be able to host. And these are planned out way, way, way ahead in advance. So we figured out actually that the um, that the 2026 World Cup finals are going to be held in the MetLife Stadium in like, I think it was like, what, 2018? When the 2018 World Cup was finished, around then they already started making plans and it's going to be in USA, Mexico. And if I'm mis- I could be mistaken about this last one, but it could be a venue in Canada. So obviously, that has a lot of implicate that although there's a lot of expenses in terms of you know accommodating infrastructure that you know companies that companies and states may take on the potential rewards are massive so Rahul, how many uh did you happen to know how many people attended the last uh tokyo olympics um so it was estimated that millions of people would be in person at the venue um and because of the covid-19 pandemic um uh, not not as many people were able to come because of the restrictions imposed by Tokyo and it was supposed to be what they called the greenest ever olympics because it was supposed to be powered by renewable energy and recycled materials and so they were so so the olympic committee in Tokyo was ready to bring in millions of people to come and witness the olympics but i don't have the exact numbers with me but there was a large decrease in the number of tickets that they were supposed to sell and as you said that with these large events large-scale events a lot of money can be made and unfortunately because not a lot of people are able to make it to the olympics um tokyo kind of lost quite a bit of money they were promised all this glory and a lot of money because of the Olympic stage at, that they're presented at, right? But because they weren't given the opportunities with all these people to come, they weren't able to sell enough tickets and they weren't unfortunately able to make enough money. And so this economic promise that the Tokyo Olympics had provided for Japan actually ended up failing them. And in turn, now there's a lot of like infrastructure buildings, and the, like the Olympic Village, all these things exist in Tokyo, but they spend billions 
of dollars. I believe they went 11 billion over what they estimated to spend um, in creating the Olympics. And they didn't make that money back because all the viewers were now online looking at um, the games halfway across the world through their TV screens. And they couldn't even see live sometimes for some events due to the timings. And if if people were allowed to go, which unfortunately they couldn't again, um, they, it would have been a more pleasant viewing experience. And on top of that, Tokyo would be, uh, I guess, showing off their great city as well as everything that they've promised to do for the future. And so Tokyo is just one example. Uh, the 2016 Rio Olympics was kind of like a massive, I don't want to say failure, because it was successful that millions of people were there watching and really enjoyed it. I remember watching it on TV from home, and it, it was amazing. But it, it became a failure after the Olympics ended. They promised a lot of stuff, especially with the infrastructure and the venues, like using some of the uh, soccer stadiums for recreational purposes or um, turning certain areas into playgrounds and parks. They never did that. And it ended up becoming a dump and a wasteland. And now people in Brazil are complaining and they can't really do anything about it because the government hasn't stepped up and they haven't tried to like advance anything and move forward with what they have. So the existing infrastructure is just standing there and deteriorating. Like in the Olympic pool that was at in Rio, there's no water in it. The only water is rainwater. Like they haven't done anything to clean it, nor have they done anything to make it uh, available for public use. And so this is just some of the limitations that infrastructure can bring uh, when you're doing some massive scale, like events like the Olympics. And now with the World Cup coming up, there's going to be certain things that go along the same lines where large venues, soccer stadiums are going to be ha going to have to be built. And what's going to happen after that? But before we talk about, I guess, the World Cup, we, I guess we want to talk a little bit more about how how this infrastructure is sort of damaging human life and life that's happening in Brazil as well as Tokyo. Ethan? Yeah, so uh, just before I get into the Rio Olympics, uh, I just want to ask you a question. Do you think that, um, you know, COVID making, you know, the COVID complications for the Tokyo World, sorry, do you think that the, that the, that the viewership of the Tokyo Olympics declining had had a more to do with COVID just canceling, like had causing a cancellation in plans or actually being, you know, being an, uh, a deterrent to people who, um, yeah, or just COVID being a deterrent to people who made the plans and stuck with them. Yeah, because so like, like my, some, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because I, cause I know a lot of people had planned initially to go see the um the Tokyo Olympics, but uh you know upon COVID cancel those plans, and you know once you cancel those plans you can't return back. So do you think that's more of a um yeah do you think it's more that they canceled and can't go back, or do you think it's more uh they just they were going to go but COVID was a deterrent even though the precautions were pretty high in Tokyo. I think I think so. Um, a lot of people in Tokyo actually opposed the Olympics for happening in 2021 because 
uh, even though they pushed it from 2020, right, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, people still opposed it because the virus was still a thing. And yeah, I feel like it is a deterrent, um, not only because the people in Tokyo are saying it, but also, as you said, a lot of people that you know, I know, um, all wanted to go see the Olympics in person, but couldn't go because of the pandemic and the restrictions that Tokyo set. Like my neighbors, um, their daughter actually participated in the Olympics for rowing and her parents couldn't go and watch her. Like when, when it's your child who's participating in the Olympics, like such a great feat, right? You can't, and you can't be there to watch that happen in person. That's like, it's kind of sad, right? And on top of that, it's like the decline in viewership, like in-person viewership is because of all the mandates that Tokyo set and all the precautions that they were trying to take. But yeah, I do feel like COVID-19 deterred a lot of people from going and um, I guess participating in the Olympics because I only know, I, I know from statistics, only 80% of the actual Olympians were vaccinated. So maybe if they had like stepped up and shown that everybody, even the Olympians are vaccinated, that maybe Tokyo would allow or Japan would allow for more people to come if they're fully vaccinated to come and watch the Olympics. But still, that's just like, it's just a thought. It's not like, I don't, I don't think they would have actually gone through with that. But yeah, I, I feel like COVID-19 put a stop in a lot of people's plans for, for the Olympics. So back to Rio de Janeiro, you were talking about the, um, the Olympics. So uh, there was also during the time, similarly that how there was a you know to a much lesser degree there was similarly a health concern regarding a virus but that one in 2016 was the zika virus which actually caused a bunch of athletes to withdraw and a lot of spectators to you know not uh enter the country and they even added 2000 healthcare professionals to help but um the debt crisis actually during the time uh put more strain on the healthcare system as well so, you know, even with spectators and, and athletes, they still have to provide them, uh, you know, full uh, full precautions and full provisions, especially in health. And a lot of times in a desperate last-ditch effort to, you know, make a bunch of cash, a lot of companies actually, not companies, countries, are actually unprepared to um, to handle some of the provisions they, they're, um, they're supposed, some of the responsibilities they're supposed to, they're supposed to, um, uh, give so they also um scientists also determined that the water used for boating and swimming had raw sewage and um quote super bacteria and um brazil also at the time had already lost seven billion dollars in tourism even before the olympics were taken into consideration due to the zika virus so that um those 2016 olympics cost uh 13.1 billion to host which is already 3.5 billion over the budget so again debt crisis um an additional 8.2 billion in infrastructure upgrades and renovations although this wasn't only public uh, money it was also private um contracts and um uh, still today the city's late in um paying teachers hospital workers pensions um all due to this big last ditch effort to host the olympics uh because again they're in they were in massive debt and um they still they still haven't recovered because it wasn't as promising as you said 
uh, this poverty is also another reason for, um, you know, uh, the huge crime, the huge crime rate rise, uh, even though it's, um, e even though it's not, t it's been a trend that's been going on for a really long time, um, the, um, Olympics definitely helped out with that, um, yeah, like in just... Rio, I know, I know the, that they were trying to use, like, the Olympics as, like, a way to bounce off and try to bring sports back into the main light. Uh, like yeah, other sports besides work. just soccer um because they obviously are very successful in that but um like some some olympians who are competing for brazil believe that they missed the opportunity to transform like the sports industry in brazil because because i guess the government wasn't willing to put enough effort after the olympics ended to continue to push for more yeah, and they kind of they kind of abandoned their diversification efforts, but also what they did was um was use it as a major distracting factor during a lot of the political turmoil. So during that time, I believe it was Lula da Silva. It, let me just make sure. When, let me just check when the Brazilian elections last were. But I think that it was between um sorry it was gonna be there was a twenty eighteen election that had come up between um Jair Bolsonaro and um his uh, opposition which was let me just Fernando Haddad but um previously in 2014 which is um which is when the last prime minister uh was that was um installed um it was the it was um Lula's sorry not Lula's uh Jair's opposition party so um, it really was just a political move. It, it, it was mainly a political move. And not only did that, did that you know, did the, did the failure of that screw the success of Jair's oppositional party, it also gave uh, Jair a bunch of issues to take, to take the light of. And uh, it was also kind of a distraction to voters, you know, besides the economy, besides, you know, the horrible military law that Jair would later implement. It was it was a political and there's like COVID nineteen policies. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're kind of stupid, but they're also funny. But it's it's so, also he's, he's a terrible leader. Yeah, yeah, it's causing a lot of people hardships, and there's a lot of deaths, especially because of his stance on COVID. But and this is so, so th this is similar also to um tropical countries and uh, tourism. When you build economies that are really dependent on on tourism and it's you know to predict tourism you're basically just speculating at that point uh you can create like a nasty relationship between tourism and your own economy so um, and you know you know what country promotes tourism qatar and you know what country is hosting the next world cup qatar qatar so and you know and qatar just like every other nation is doing such last ditch efforts to try and taken a ton of cash like mm -hmm. and that's I, why that's why with the new with the world cup coming up they're taking on this massive project of last minute building a lot of infrastructure and a lot of venues for uh soccer games and matches um that it's, at it's this point too it's taking it's, it's gonna, taking a lot of money and a lot of effort it's 
it's going to cost Qatar $220 billion, which is 60, about 60 times the $3.5 billion that South Africa spent. Um, uh, they had predicted that, uh, sorry, sorry for the change in currencies here, it just um, happens to be where the sources uh, take it from. Uh, a financial summit said that $107 billion would be spent on stadiums and facilities and a 30, another $31 billion on transport infrastructure. $30 billion would be built with would be spent only on air conditioning HVAC alone and $48 billion on training facilities and for players and pounds for players and fans, which also these numbers are in pounds. Another $28 billion would be spent on creating a whole new city to surround the stadium. And um bank and um the investment banking division of bank of america um sorry the organizes yeah the organ um sorry merrill lynch which is the investment banking division of bank of america said that the organizers in guitar have requested fifa to approve a smaller number of stadiums due to the growing costs so it, it's going down to eight or nine from 12 and um this this yeah, and decision on top was of that, in 2010 it- by the way for Qatar to host it. So, yeah, and on top of that, it's not even the fact that they've decided to host it. It's also how they're building the infrastructure. Like, there have been numerous scandals and human rights issues that have come up with, I guess, the building of this infrastructure. Like, a lot of allegations on slavery and people dying and facing abuse when trying to build um, all these soccer stadiums, as you're talking about. Um, like several different allegations have come up, but the Qatar committee has said that our commitment is to change working conditions in do- order to ensure a lasting legacy of improved worker welfare. We are aware this cannot be done overnight. While they aren't directly stating that they're like this is happening, they're also saying that they're going to improve working conditions, sort of implying that the working conditions are already poor and that what we, what we believe of people dying when trying to build these stuff, it might actually be true. And so if if they're failing on that part, which is human rights, uh, when it comes to like building all this infrastructure, what's gonna happen in the future when all this infrastructure gets built and after the World Cup is done being hosted by Qatar, what are they gonna do with it? You have any ideas? You um, think it's gonna be sort of similar to what's happened in Rio and Tokyo? Yes, but not to the same extent because these are soccer-specific stadiums. And there's been a lot of initiatives across Asia to create um, larger soccer soccer spheres uh, just to create more economic activity. So, for example, you know, China's been promoting soccer a lot because um, they want to, you know, it increases the morale of the people. So... Of course, they want. Of course, any nation, every nation naturally wants to promote um, increased soccer activity. So, because it's not the Olympics where it's like obscure sports, half the time, um, it, it could potentially be economically beneficial. Um, there's also like, it's it. I think that it would just be more, more about um. The only economic ruin would really be about speculation and uh, the speculative part of, you know, economic planning. And I feel like it would take, they, they wouldn't meet the amount of jobs that they were, they're supposed to make 
which would again call which would just cause like a lot more unemployment especially to people who have like contractors especially who have already like agreed to uh help work on certain parts of stadiums and so on and so forth and they would also decrease the size of the stadiums and um you know when they can't when when contracts are canceled and you can't renegotiate them that's when the that's a def that's a definite part of where some of this um completely unfair labor comes in so yeah so i i guess in that sense that people people are i guess going to are, are already boycotting um the world cup because they call it like modern day slavery and there's an alarming number of deaths that that are going on and so do you think like how, how do you think i guess Qatar is going to respond to this besides the fact of saying that yeah we'll change our ways this and that but you know like do you think they really have an actual plan to address any of the issues yeah they i think it's just kind of a front to be honest like they don't want to hurt any prospects of economic activity but like mm-hmm. they're being pretty stingent to their beliefs so like one of the m- more minor uh controversies about the 2022 world cup is if israel were to qualify so you know it's not likely that israel ever qualify just because there there's a lot of better soccer teams in europe because they they compete as a european team so there's a lot of better soccer teams in europe that would take their spot but um if they were to qualify they wouldn't be able to complete so they would be able to com- compete in the world cup qatar however does not recognize that the state of israel exists so they made like a compromise to not hurt their economic activity but that if that were to happen that would cause a lot a lot a lot of outrage in qatar and in um just in the global community in general yeah um, and on top of that like i know that they have like a ban on like the consumption of like alcohol in public um but i i believe that qatar is now allowing for exclusive areas to be made where you can like i guess drink alcohol um just for the um, world cup so i guess they are a little lenient on some of their rules because because they don't want to be so i guess they don't want to be so so i guess negative when they're being presented on the world stage especially when it's something as big as the world cup right um but there are other things like like i i guess like you were talking about with israel that that Qatar doesn't really have a good relationship with them and they don't yeah, recognize it, it, them. What I'm saying, so. it's it's a front. They they say these things but like you know that when it, when the time comes it's going to be it's going to be a very like tense environment where they're like, you know, sacrificing some values for potentially helping out other other people with cash but also like some violence and outrage could break out and um yeah, same same thing with the same thing with the laborers. Like, they um. Uh, sorry. They would uh they had announced a minimum, uh, monthly wage of two hundred seventy five dollars. And um. And the the international organiz- labor organization, 
had a, had said that the minimum wage was too low to meet workers' needs, especially with Qatar's high cost of living. So again, all these like, anytime that there's going to be like a boycott and they do change something, it's kind of just a it's it's mainly just a front. It, it's just a front to kind of protect, um, to kind of protect their image, and to let this go on, and knowing FIFA and knowing. You know, knowing just the, the general history of large sports events with a consortium of investors always ready to capitalize, it is going to continue regardless of, you know, any changes per se. I sort of want to go back to your point on COVID-19 and you know how you were talking about whether it stopped people from going to the Olympics because, well, technically it did stop people from going to the Olympics because Tokyo made a rule. Um, do you know if Qatar's made like a formal like rule or anything with um, COVID-19 just yet? Or are they still waiting until we get closer to the actual World Cup date? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I'd assume they'd probably... I'm pretty sure that they're going to wait because obviously yeah. it's going to change. Yeah, but if COVID-19 does persist, um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen with the number of people going to Qatar to view the World Cup in person. There's just such a high volume. They're going to make less profits because the demand is lower. Mm-hmm. But um, there's such a high but volume. But they're still going to get that. Yeah, yeah there's, there's still there's like such, so many soccer fans. The size of market of people who want to go to Qatar to watch World Cup is so massive mm-hmm. that like any potential lost customers will, will just be will just be gained back by other customers. Yeah. That, that makes sense. At least that's my, that's my. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like the soccer market is huge and just, just something like the world cup entices people to come. Um, I, I feel like because Tokyo was so strict on their policies, that's why not many people, I guess, I mean, not, I guess that is why not many people were allowed to come. Um, if Qatar does a similar thing, because Qatar's like gonna, Qatar, I expected to um my personal I expected to let to people come allow vaccinated people to come yeah yeah but I again it will it depends on the state of the pandemic yeah unless as we get closer and there's some like mutant strain that's like crazy I don't mm-hmm. think I think it's just gonna be vaccinated people yeah all right anything else. Um, no, I mean, we could go, I could go, I could, you know. Do I talk a little bit about the policy talking about how countries are chosen for Olympic events or World Cup events? Oh, yeah, it's just a bidding war. Um, you have to, it, it like, it, it costs, cities spend a hun- 50 to 100 million, you know, consultant fees and organizers um, and travel for the hosting uh and travel for just the those organizers. Tokyo, for example, lost one hundred and fifty million on its bid for the twenty sixteen Olympics, but spent seventy five million on its twenty twenty bid. Bid. Um. London, uh, to host though is is where the main cost is incurred. London spent fourteen point six billion for hosting the Olympics, which four four point four billion came from taxpayers. Beijing spent forty-two billion on hosting in two thousand and eight, and uh, Greece spent fifteen billion in two thousand and four. And uh, taxpayers are actually still pay- paying for that until the debt is paid in full from the two thousand and eight two thousand and four Olympics, which is actually 
Crazy. That's kind of absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it speaks. It it still speaks to the um. To the just economic problems in Greece in general, uh, mm-hmm. Sydney paid four point six billion in two thousand, which actually taxpayers paid a lot less money for a hundred um, eleven point four million, and Rio de Janeiro paid twenty billion. So, infrastructure costs can go from five to fifty billion, which uh, which we talked about. Um, however, you know, unlike Rio de Janeiro, Beijing spent $22.5 billion constructing roads, airports, subways, and rail, and $11.25 billion on environmental cleanup, which, mm-hmm. um, because they were, because they were actually economically prepared for it at the time, they, uh, they properly spent on infrastructure. So, so, so you think that. Well, I guess it's kind of given that if you're more economically prepared, you'll fare better after the events have finished. But is it do you, is it just because whoever's bidding the most for like whoever's bidding the most to get the spot to host whatever event is happening that it, it makes a difference in in I guess the economic turnout after the event is completed. Like certain certain yeah, countries it's, are it's really have bidding a lot like, I'm to just host. Saying, I just but... said that the Beijing part was, it, it really is just situational and like has to do with planning. Like mm-hmm. Salt Lake City, added only ten percent of the number of the um of the jobs that they were supposed to, and um mm-hmm. the the jobs went to already employed workers, which actually just worsened the unemployment uh rate. And the, yep. um, the profit went to international savings accounts, like those in the Cayman Islands, rather than the city's economy. So again, it just has to do with, it has to do with planning. Yeah, it all has to do with planning. Um, yeah. Like the income in the, from the games only covers like barely anything from the, um, from the uh, Olympics. Like London, again, 5.2 billion they raked in, but spent 18 billion on 2012 Olympics. Vancouver is a similar story, 2.8 billion raked in, spending 7.6 billion. Beijing generated 3.6 billion and spent 40 billion. So it's all about, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's all about economic preparedness, really. Mm-hmm. And the, we already talked about debt, but um, Russian taxpayers will pay almost $1 billion annually uh, just to pay off the debt from the uh, Winter Games in Sochi in 2014. We already Yikes. talked about. Um, we already talked about what's it called? Greece, there we go. Yeah. So countries do take on a big role when they have to plan for these events and poor planning, especially poor execution after the events are over. That that kind of leads to a lot of uh like failures, pushbacks, and do do you think it it, it, it hinders them from I get it, I guess um hosting future um future events like after what happened in brazil do you think uh i guess fifa like their federation or the world cup federation do you think uh, not the world the olympic committee do you think they'll let them i guess host again or is it just going to be up to whether they shell out enough money to be the highest bidder um, I'm pretty, yeah, I think it's just, uh, it, you know, because there's also like a planning process that the, um, 
the the, the people who undertake a ghost so it's not only the bidding but it's also mm-hmm. just about like how how appealing does it look to the people who to the to the international olympics committee for the whole yeah. city like i think like i told you about like tokyo had their 150 million bid rejected but their 75 million bid um approved, approved. so it's not it's, i don't yeah. think it's about highest bidding but it's it's more about like favorability within the uh international olympic committee mm-hmm. all right cool anything else or are we good i think we cover i think we covered i think we covered quite a bit we covered quite, this is a good episode today yep all right so i guess thanks for listening and stay tuned because hopefully we'll have something in a month's time <laughs> we'll see yep and uh, I guess give us give us some give give us some suggestions on on podcast episodes and maybe possibly maybe we can do an episode next time with Warren. He seems kind of excited, so I think I think that would be a pretty good episode. It's gonna be a very good guest feature. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And thanks for listening, everyone. See ya.